0: Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another of our Well Sister Churches. If you enjoy what you've heard today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to the podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app that you're listening to right now. I've tried to make the link as obvious as possible, so let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at Share it because it's studying the Word of God. Why would you not want to tell everyone? Today's sermon is titled, Love That Values the Lost and is based on Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents, over the ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels, of God over one sinner who repents. We now join Pastor Zamzo for the sermon.
1: In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, who came to seek and save what was lost. Amen. Have you ever thought about what we love and why we love it? Have you ever thought about what we love and why we love it? You name it. Insert your noun, person, place, or thing. Don't we love those things because we're attracted to it, that we see some sort of value in it? Our perception of the thing, or maybe even our imagination, is the thing that causes us to love something. It sounds a little bit convoluted, but just hear me out. It's like a dog. Why do people love dogs? I love dogs. Why do we love those furry little things? Well, mine's big. But why do we love dogs? They're silly, they're cute. They're cuddly. Even though dogs do dumb things, we often attach some sort of sentiment to it, don't we? You ever done this? Like your dog has eaten your shoes and then somebody in your family says, well, Spot ate your shoes because he's mad you didn't take him for a walk. What? Come on, the dog doesn't think that deeply or have, feel resentment in that way. It's our perception. It's our imagination that makes us love such creatures because we like the companionship or because we like the sense of safety or because we like the playful attitude or we want that happy memory of kids running around in the yard with a pup. That's the value that a dog has. A dog that's our dog. You wouldn't just attribute all those same things to a lost, mangy, flea-ridden mutt that you see walking down the street. That thing has no value. Our imagination about that thing is not pleasant. Humans love things and people. Because they have some sort of intrinsic value, beauty, or usefulness. People love a flower because of the sweet smell. People like a diamond because of its brilliance or its value. People like pearls or a pearl necklace because of sentiment or, again, the great price. People like gold for its usefulness or for the fact that it never will tarnish. If we have one of those things and we lose it, We search for it because we value that thing that was lost. We don't try to seek and to save something that we meant to throw away. We don't try to seek and save something that is a piece of junk. That's not how our minds work. That's not how we love. This morning in the Gospel lesson, Jesus takes this human way of thinking about what we love and why we love it. And he turns the whole thing upside down and on its head. And he does it with a couple of parables. As he's sitting there, and who is around him? The worthless. The deplorables of society. You notice how that's broken out in the text there? You have the tax collectors and sinners. So you've got the tax collectors. They're in their own category of evil on their own. And then you have your run-of-the-mill everyday Joe Schmo sinner. All pretty bad, but they're the ones that are gathering around Jesus and eating and drinking with Him. Go figure. And then you've got the upstanding polished Pharisees and teachers of the law who stand back at a distance and criticize Jesus, saying, this man welcomes tax collectors and sinners and he receives them and he eats with them. And as our Lord Jesus is so often want to do, He delivers to them some parables. And listen carefully here to what He says because honestly, I think in my four years of ministry, I've preached on this text twice before and I've never caught this and I've never really realized what Jesus was getting at until this time. Our Savior is being incredibly crafty here in the way that he speaks to these Pharisees. And he does so to turn the way that we view things, the way that we value things, the way that we love things, on its head. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the, the lost sheep until he finds it? Think about that carefully. What is the logical answer to Jesus' question? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go and seek the one that was lost? What's the logical answer? We've heard this so many times. We expect it to be yes. But any shepherd with any sort of business sense at all is going to answer that question no. Where's the value? The value is in the flock. You mean to tell me that you're going to leave 99 perfectly good sheep out in the open country subject to the terrors of the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and go and seek that one lost sheep. Seriously? Forget the sheep. He was dumb enough to wander on his own. The Lord goes farther. And, when he re- and then he finds it and he rejoices and he puts it on his shoulders and goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. Really? Who does that? Wouldn't that shepherd's friends look at him and be like, you left 99 sheep in the open country? What's up with that one? Does he have a golden fleece or something? Why did you go find Him? Jesus shows the Pharisees with this crafty little parable. And He shows us today that God does not receive, God does not value, God does not love as the world loves. He goes out of His way to seek and to save that which is truly lost. The Pharisees and Jesus and that were present in Jesus hearing that day thought that they were of value. They thought that they were the flock that Jesus should be caring about. That if they were the one, if, 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 if he was to sit down and eat and drink with anybody, it should be them. Not the greedy tax collector who gouges the pockets of his own people. Not the shameless prostitute who sells her body for money. Not the drunk who's traded his relationship with his friends and family for the bottle. What are they worth? What are they, why, why are they worth seeking? Why in the world are they loving? If they're lost, let them be lost. They wandered away from the flock. What value do they have? Such is the thinking of the Pharisee inside, and uh, the Pharisees that day, and the Pharisees that are in our own hearts. The blunt point to be made here in the preaching of God's law is this What worth are any of us? To God. We don't love how He asks us to love. We don't give as He asks us to give. We don't help as He asks us to help. We seek first to be served and then maybe to serve. Because we value ourselves above others. But on what basis? And there's that delusion and that imagination thing Again. The ancient Pharisees thought that they were capable of sinning less or not at all. Certainly not as much as those tax collectors and sinners. They thought that there was something intrinsically valuable valuable about them which endeared them to God that set them apart and made them special. But in reality, both for them and for us, when push comes to shove at the end of the day, God doesn't really need us. He doesn't really need us. We look at the reality of a Bible story of something like the flood, and just see and see just how gracious God is that He saved those eight, that you and I might come from them. The Bible story like that, and see that He could have wiped us all out, and from our perspective, maybe He should have. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all lost by nature. We are all dead in transgression as sin. No, sin is, no sinner is worse than another. All are equally damned. We just confessed this at the beginning of our service. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Exactly right. We view ourselves like those Pharisees did and think that somehow that there is something less horrible or less damnable about us if we, attribute, um, that, that if we attribute some value to ourselves then that isn't really there. We give in to that delusion, that imagination. We value ourselves for really no reason. And the important point here also to be made, friends, is that the Gospel message, as it was for those Pharisees on that day, the Gospel message has no value for the person who believes that they are of value. The Gospel message has no value for the person that thinks that they are found. For the Pharisee or for the self-righteous. If one can examine their heart or thinks that they're examining their heart and believes that they're doing all right and they've not done anything really that's been all that bad, certainly not to offend God, then why would the forgiveness of sins matter to them at all? Then Christ being made nothing and crushed for the world's sin and iniquity matters nothing. For the self-righteous Scripture has no value. This is just a book of tales and, and a list of rules and how to do better. Not the story of God's gracious plan of salvation than this one hour in church for the self-righteous. This one hour in church that we set aside every single week has no value. If we come here to hear how Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. With these parables, Jesus rebukes those who consider themselves found or of value. He rebukes those who think that they have no need to repent. He shows all of us just how lost we really are. And Jesus uses these parables to show that those who respond to his message are the ones who realize that they bring nothing to the table, that they have no value. People that realize that they have nothing to lose the brokenhearted, the weak, the sad, the blind, the lame, the mute, the tax collector. And the Pharisee and the sinner, those whose consciences are burdened, and those who feel as though that they have no real chance at peace with God, those are the lost sheep who know they're lost, who look up one day and realize the flock didn't move on without me. I was dumb enough to wander away on my own. Now I am out here in the wilderness by myself with no shepherd and no flock. That's the sheep. That's the sheep that will come bounding back to its shepherd's voice. Because he realizes that he was truly lost. The Gospel of Jesus Christ tells us what we are worth. Not to ourselves, but to God that He has come for us, that He values us so much so. And this is the love beyond understanding. The Lord values us so much so that He would come down here and be numbered, choose, volunteer to be numbered as one of us. And even more, just like that lost sheep, the one that wandered away from the flock, just like that one sheep, probably because of its own stupidity, should get eaten by a wolf, right? Jesus took the wolf's jaws for us. And they clamped down on Him when He was on the cross. As He numbered Himself with us, as He came down here for us, to seek and to save, to receive and to value and to eat and drink with flesh and blood sinners like you and I. To tell us why He's here. Not to say do better or I'm going to bind you up and throw you in hell. But to suffer the pain of of hell on the cross Himself in our place to show us a love that truly values the lost. And it's for this reason Jesus says, I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is rejoicing because that one turned back to the shepherd's voice. One turned back to the precious blood of Christ. The voice that beckons with the love of God. The voice that tells of love beyond human comprehension. A love that tells us, a voice that tells us of a love that came to seek and to save what was lost i picture this uh, for a moment. Imagine, if you will, if you will um, the Lord Jesus came back in our own time. And where would we expect to find Him if we were back in, in, in those days and Jesus was among us as He was in Jerusalem? Where would we expect to find Him? Would we expect to find him here? I have a guess. If he was in Bemidji. It's just a guess. I think I know where he would be. I bet he'd be under that bridge. He'd be under that bridge behind the, or, or next to the, 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 the train station behind downtown Meats. I'd be, I bet he'd be down there. Or maybe underneath that bridge, that crosses over Lake Bemidji. I bet he'd be there with the homeless, with the addict, with the drunk. I bet that's where he'd be. And would we find him there? Would would we be hesitant to join him there? We, re, we too realize that we bring nothing to the table. You know, I, I figured I'd jump on this bandwagon too. Um, as you all probably know, unless you've been living under a rock, Queen Elizabeth II passed away this week. And I've seen a lot of quotes from her that have gotten thrown up on, the, on, on social media or this, that, or the other thing, but I found one that I have not seen repeated hardly at all. And it's one that made me gain a new respect for this lady. I always saw her Christmas addresses and that sort of thing. And she said she was a believer in Jesus. But there was one thing, one quote from her that I saw that just, it got me. Here you got a lady who is, for all intents and purposes, one of the most powerful people on the planet. She literally has a crown of gold. A crown jewels with her name on it. A golden throne. A castle to live in. Yet she was a woman who understood that she brought nothing to the table when it came to her faith. She was being interviewed one time, and and maybe you can picture this in her British accent and that grandmotherly voice that she had. But she said, I so wish that Jesus would come back in our time. And the interviewer's like, Why are you concerned about the state of affairs in our country, in, in the world? Um, the the homelessness, the wars, racism, whatever. And she kind of got choked up. And she looked back at the interviewer and she said, no, because I would so love to put my crown at his feet. There's a lady who knew, even though she had all the riches in the world, that she brought nothing to the table when it came down to her relationship with God. We don't have crowns of gold Most of us don't have power or influence. What we do have, we realize that it's really of no value to God. But God has told us what our value is. He spelled it out for us and he wrote it in blood. He put it on the cross for us because he came down to seek and to save what was lost so that those who are lost, brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I, might know that we are found in him. Amen.
0: That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidgie.org.